we're maintaining our integrity behind the bar as far as ingredients and technique, but we're also remembering that the guests are really important and that that hospitality experience is, is a part of it. Mm-hmm. And seeing those two melt together is what I think is the future of, of mixology and really helping that push forward. Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Top Shelf Integrity. Um, I get to be the host this week, which I'm super excited about. My name is Christina Kolarab. I am the Director of On-Premise Consumer Marketing for Beam Centauri in the U.S. I'm based in uh, Chicago, so welcome, everyone. Joining me today is mixologist and Mart bartender, Amy Probasco. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here with me. Um, I, I figured today would be just a fun chance for us to to talk about and have an open conversation about the life of a mixologist. I love that for us. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think a lot of people, there's kind of a mystique around what you do. And and so we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit and get in, get a, a glimpse or a peek inside of, of what you do and and how you got started in this Perfect. industry. Yeah. So um, before we get started, though, you've made us a cocktail. Oh, yes. Uh, can you tell us about this cocktail? I'd love to. Um, this is a cocktail that I call So Delicious. Um, I love a pun in a cocktail name. So it is not only soda delicious, it's so delicious. Um, and I'm rather than doing, um, I, I don't subscribe to a full dry January, but I do like to drink responsibly. And I also really love to do low ABV cocktails. I feel like that's a really big trend right now. Um, and it's one that I really enjoy, um, especially as I start a new year. So this drink actually um, is a Paloma riff. Um, and instead of grapefruit soda, I actually use soda water and grapefruit soda with a little bit of blood orange syrup and just like a, like a half part tequila. So um, we're really focusing on like the bright citrus flavors. Um, and then the tequila just gives it a little bit of backbone. Very effervescent. <laughs> I love it. So I'm glad you made this for us and, and we'll drink this responsibly uh, while we talk today. Perfect. So uh, cheers. I'm looking cheers. forward to this conversation today, Same. Amy. <laughs> so that being said, um, how, how did you get started in the industry? So I was a server at Applebee's, okay. um, but that's where I got my like hospitality start. Sure. And then my bartending start was at the Cheesecake Factory. Got it. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. I know. <laughs> Such a world. Cheesecake's actually what brought me to Chicago. I was able to transfer from the Virginia Beach location to the Chicago location. Um, and so I, that was like my in to like the big city. And so when I got here, I really had my eyes open to like what food and beverage and like the bartending community is it's just like such a bigger range of, of styles of bars and oh for sure um so yeah I was promoted and I just at the time really was going to be a dancer oh like, okay I feel like so many artists are like in hospitality just to pay the bills because they really are going to be like an actor or singer Something, musician right <laughs> absolutely well it's, I, I think that in lines with creativity right absolutely like you have to be creative and that's that's kind of the avenue that that gets you here but it wasn't until I started working at Chicago's Girl and the Goat 
that I really started to understand like craft cocktails and mixology. And that's when I, my focus really changed from like being a dancer and like teaching dance classes to like, Oh, like I love this. Um, like this is what I actually really want to do. Um, and so it was that kind of sparked that, like that mixology um, joy for me, I guess. And then like I started kind of to do like more craft focus. So I got the job. I was grossly underqualified, but I was very honest when I had my interview and I was I like, look, that. I love this. I'm a really fast learner. Um, and their hiring when they hired that first staff was very much, we want people that have like the personality and the drive for hospitality. And I told her and she, you know, was like, can you study your butt off? And I was like, I promise you. And I got the job spite. Like, I guarantee she respected your honesty. Yeah. She, I mean, she was amazing to work for. And she had the similar mentality that I have now, which is like, if you come in with the right attitude toward hospitality and serving guests, you know, I can, I can teach you technique. I can teach right. you wines. I can teach you what spirits are. So um, that opening staff, I, we had such little turnover. We all stayed pretty tight group for like almost two full years because really, we just, yeah. we were on the vibe, you know, like we were there to give the best product we could. And we were really excited about it. So that was like a transformational experience for me. It was working there for sure. So would you say it was that role that kind of introduced you to the whole mixology mm-hmm. craft what, what is craft card? Yeah. What is, yeah. I didn't know how to stir a drink. So I, <laughs> I walked into training. So one of my bar mentors gave us our like opening cocktails and trained the staff. Um, and then there was another bartender that I worked with um, who stayed with me for four years. And he really became like an integral part of learning how to build cocktails and balance flavors. But when I get there and I was like, oh gosh, I am going to look like such just a novice, you know, when I go in here. So I actually stole, um, I mixing glass and a spoon. I'll say borrowed. I brought it back. Yeah, of course you took it home and like practiced stirring. Cause I'd never done that. Um, and then when I went in the next day and he's like, okay, now, you know, Amy come in and stir this cocktail. And I was like, you got it. <laughs> been doing this my whole life. <laughs> no problem. Um, cause I just, I was so scared to look silly, but I had never been exposed to anything like that. Um, they had incredible bourbon back bar, like just everything that I, I did there was really spawned like my entire career. Like I would say that was my takeoff. Got it. Got it. Wow. That's it. I, I had no idea. And we've been together for over three years now. <laughs> um, so what drew you to mixology over bartending? And then obviously over your other passion, which was, which dancing. Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, to be fair, I think behind the bar, if when you're on a busy Friday night with like three bartenders and a bar back, there's a bit of choreography that happens back there anyway. Absolutely. So that, That's true. That really. Um, but, you know, dancing is, is great, but bartending is also a bit on stage, you know, like it's really the nucleus of most restaurants. I feel, you know, it's where all the action is and the energy happens. Um, and I honestly, I feel like bartending and mixology are so intertwined. Um, it's almost hard to separate them. I think a lot of people use the terms interchangeably. And, um, you know, there are people who hold the title mixologist who couldn't bartend their way out of a paper bag on a busy Friday night. And there are bartenders who really take a lot of like incredible pride in, in crafting cocktails. So I think it could go either way. But for me, the definition of, of a mixologist is someone who's maybe more in depth and constantly thinking like, how could I make this better? Right. A little bit more trend forward and a little more trend forward, but even just like technique or ice or dilution or ingredients, like Mm -hmm. what can I do to make this better? Like that's a constant drive and that's a constant question for mixologists. And once I got into the bartending, you know, I really thrived on the people. Like I love being guest facing. I love talking to people. And then additionally, it was like, well, how can I make their experience better? I don't want to give them a watered down 
old fashioned, or I want to be able to talk to them about what kind of bourbon they want in this drink. So, you know, what can I do? And that really led to like choosing kind of the mixology route, I guess, as it were, where I started to really focus on the type of ice you use or the dilution, or if you jigger or don't, and um, how to really elevate an experience, not just by being like personable and engaging, but also serving them like the best cocktail they've ever had, or like creating a, a memorable moment for them through like what I was doing. Perfect. Wow. That's it. That's great. Um, so before we, we get any further into the conversation, um, I'd be remiss to not acknowledge you just accepted a new role with Beam Centauri. I did Tell, just accept a new role. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you Tell so much. Tell me about it. Um, I was recently hired um, as the Chicago-based um, Mart Bar Manager and Regional Accounts Mixologist. So what is, what does that entail? What is the regional account mixologist? What does that role uh, So entail? when you think of um, like bigger accounts in the country, I think people think of like national chains, but there's so many other like regional accounts that maybe aren't, you know, they might have 250 locations, maybe they have 30 and maybe sure. you'll find them in the Southeast or in just certain States. Um, but they're, I think just as important to communities and um, they have just a, as big of like a hold on what the entire nation is doing. You know, craft cocktails is such a, a small bubble. When you sure. really think about it in the scope of what, how many restaurants and bars there are in the, in the U S and, and all over, I mean, internationally, right. Craft cocktails is a really small bubble and, you know, these regional accounts, um, it's really exciting to work with them because they're really locally focused. Whereas you have national accounts that kind of look all over regionals like, well, this is what we're doing in Alabama or this is what we're doing in South Florida. Right. And they're able to capitalize on those local trends yes. and impact their markets. Absolutely. So I get to work with those accounts in like creating um, cocktail menus or even like limited, you know, addition, like focuses. Um, and it's just like really fun to learn about their communities and like what they're trying to accomplish through their consumers based on their location. Perfect. Well, congratulations Thank on your new you role. Thank you so much. I'm it's super, so exciting. <laughs> super excited to work even closer with you now. So thank you. Of course. Um, what keeps you in the industry still? Creating experiences, like I talked about, is really my favorite thing, right? And I used to think that that meant you had to be behind the bar five to six nights a week, which is what I was doing. And I love that face-to-face -face interaction and making a positive impact. But what's been really fun is to work in the longevity of that, right? And yeah. like, how do you make a career out of that? If you don't want to be behind the bar, which you can be. Sure. But like I felt a calling in other places and it's been really fun to find ways to apply that idea of creating experience into other realms, right? So like maybe it's from teaching and training new bartenders and creating experiences for them or hosting tastings for consumers and seeing them light up when they realize like, oh, I do like gin or like they have that aha moment. Right. Um, and so you could really even like crafting a drink with a bar, like a regional account. And, you know, that program is then using that drink to become the guest's new favorite drink or it's defining an event or a memory for that guest. And I've had like, you know, my fingerprint kind of on that. So there's really fun ways to keep creating experiences um, and do it um, in a, a wider scope and kind of cast your net a little bit wider. Yeah. You're, I mean, your career has really evolved over the past couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Know, from, from starting at Cheesecake Factory to, <laughs> to now consulting, you know, bars and restaurants on their beverage program and working with them. I've worked with you um, even to create educational videos Yeah, absolutely. for training staff. It, it's been great. So. Thank you. And I, I think it all goes back to that, that hospitality, that just that creating experience um, and wanting to like reach the consumer. It's like, I, I can't leave this field uh, just because like, I love that part of it so much. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So how do you manage to continue to grow at, you know, 
continue to be successful um, with the way your career has evolved? I mean, I guess it's like, what even, what is success? <laughs> um, you know, everybody has their own definition of that. And I think the idea is to just create new mile markers, right? So like, okay. I don't, part of my goal setting is not to get too big. So I want to create like, okay, I want to be full-time um, at BM Centauri. And it's like, chick, check. Yep. Um, so that's a mile mark. But now like, what's next? What's the new goal? Like right. how many accounts do you want to talk to? Or like trainees you want to do? Or like, how can you inspire you know, do bar staff. So I think it's just um, constantly setting new goals for yourself. Um, plus in the industry, I feel like the liquor industry, the food and beverage industry is like any other industry, tech or music or fashion. And like things are always changing. Always there's, evolving. Right. So there's always a new technique to learn. There's always um, somebody's new idea or new style of cocktail or even, you know, as we have the internet and we have more access to other cultures and flavors and you know, ideas and like, it's just like new voices and there's always something to learn. Um, and it's just like constant growth all around you. And the beverage industry, I think specifically is so welcoming and so generous as a community mm -hmm. um, and in teaching others and like showing each other how we did something. And it's like, Hey, this was tough for me. Let me show you how I did it. So you can, you know, take it and, and adapt and, and yeah, learn. Sure. Exactly. Um, and you know, because bartending today isn't the same as it was 20 years ago or even two years ago. I just think it's that constant drive to like, not just keep up with trends, but like educate yourself and like learn about something that you're passionate about. And that really drives our community forward. Sure. No, that makes sense. So we got to look at how, how you got to where you are today. So let's talk about your craft and what's the methodology behind your craft. I think for me, it starts with basics, right? Like I, I don't want to get too like cocktail geek about it, but I, geek um, away. <laughs> I have read a lot about cocktail families, right? So you have um, like an old fashioned, like it's a stirred, it's a cocktail family, a Manhattan, which like has sparked other styles of cocktails. So if you look at like a sour cocktail, right? Um, it's like a bee's knees, which is one of my favorite gin okay. drinks. So you have gin, um, honey and lemon, right? If you take out the gin and you put bourbon in, now it's a gold rush. Right. But you had that blueprint of like, this is the sweetener. This is the citrus. This is my base spirit. I'm going to switch that out. So now you have your gold rush with your bourbon, your honey and your lemon. You're going to take out the bourbon and add scotch and then put in ginger. And now it's a penicillin. Right. So like, I love to start with those building blocks, those like cocktail families, like a blueprint. Yeah. You just, yeah. So once you have the blueprint, once you've learned those basics, you can kind of make trades or move things. And then I go into like layering flavors. So I like to start with an idea, whether it's like a base spirit or like a fruit that I'm really into that I just discovered. And like, how can I layer things in a new way? So you have your building blocks and then you kind of have your flavor layers. Um, and there's a book actually called the flavor Bible. Okay. And like, you could look up, like, let's say I'm really into blueberries and I look up blueberries. It'll have a list of like flavors and ingredients that go with blueberries. Really? So you can like be okay. like, oh, I, you know, I love basil. I didn't realize basil was a great, but you know, who thought that maybe they had some like rhubarb or like. You just like, it gives you a new way to think about flavors. Um, so it starts with the basics of that blueprint. And then from there, I'm like, what flavors can I put within these confines? So they're, so they're complementary to one another. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to jot that book down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so how did you develop that style? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it makes sense. It's right? amazing. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, honestly, it's trial and error. Okay. <laughs> And I think you, I mean, you're going to naturally gravitate towards things you like. 
as a bartender. So when you're creating like your personal style, whether it's the style that you use to approach cocktails or like a style of cocktail, I feel like, you know, you look at musicians and chefs and fashion designers, they all have like a a style that they're kind of known for. And I think that bartenders or even bar programs can get into that as well. And it's just like trial and error. Like, what do you like and how can you make it the best that it is? And it also have to allow yourself the space to like evolve. Um, So like when I first started bartending, I loved like very sweet cocktails and like I didn't really want to taste the alcohol sure and then like I had a really big love affair with bitter cocktails for a while. really okay oh yeah because it's like this kind of rite of passage and you're like allowing yourself to explore new things and now I like to think that I have more balance where I can do a drink that's well-rounded um, and I still do gravitate towards the more fruit forward cocktails but you know maybe the the booze is well integrated but it still has a place like it's not fully covered by like two ounces of fruit syrup <laughs> right well and i think as we get older right our our taste buds evolve absolutely our absolutely. palate evolves and, yeah. and we you know we evolve with it yeah, so i absolutely. think you know doing that flavor building it just kind of happened through like that natural progression of like what flavors am i into right now um and then how can i make that approachable for like bar guests to come in okay thinking back like i couldn't imagine drinking an old fashioned at 21 oh years I old, spit it right out. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is awful. Now it's pretty the, much all I drink, right? right? Like, so yeah, yeah, it's my favorite thing. So yeah, you just kind of have to allow yourself the room to like go with it, go with the flow. <laughs> no, makes sense. Um, so let's let's talk about the state of the industry, right? Let's um, it. It, it, it's evolved, and and we've seen a lot of changes over the past few years, especially <sighs> given the current economic climate with COVID and yeah. the impact. Um. So, so what do you, what does the industry look like to you? I mean, the industry, if nothing else is resilient, right? Like I, that's the number one word I think of when I think about uh, the food and beverage industry. And honestly, the best thing I can think to compare it to is like an amoeba. Um, And if you don't remember your fourth grade (laughs) science lessons, um, that is a single celled organism, Um, but it's constantly shifting shapes, right? Like it's liquid filled Mm -hmm. and it's constantly moving. And that to me is what the, the food and beverage industry is. And it's, so adaptable and seeing the workers and the bar managers and owners able to kind of adapt to different, um, you know, COVID things. But even before that, as you have people opening up a new neighborhoods or different restrictions that are placed on you just financially. And as the scope of your, maybe just your neighborhood changes, like how do you keep up with that? Um, I'm really, I've been so glad to see over the last few years, um, like restaurant workers being recognized as essential Yes. And getting like the, hopefully the pay and acknowledgement that they've kind of deserve deserve. Yeah. And have, have often been willing to work without. Um, so that's been really great to see. And, you know, I also love to see, I think the restaurant industry is setting kind of the trend of, of trying to be more inclusive. Um, you know, even if it's just like using social media and the reach of the internet as an international tool, so we can see different cultures and customs and like how to properly apply them to mm-hmm. what we're doing. But also to give new voices and new ideas, like a platform, um, I think is, is just, it's so exciting to see. Um, and then I think, you know, with the recent COVID stuff, what's been really great is in that spirit of resilience, you know, seeing how bartenders and the bar industry came together to do things like change legislation, yeah, to be able to do to cocktails, cocktails to go, and absolutely, they you were know, a driving force behind that. So relation. integral, it was so honestly so inspiring to see because when you, you don't think you can do it, you're like, I'm just a bartender, or I'm just a bar, you know, right. a server, and then you see someone that like you work with and that you hang out with, and she's like inspiring all this change. You're like, oh, like we, I can do this, like this is possible, and 
you know, I saw um, people doing it in New York and other states, and that's been really incredible to see. And then also the way that like brands and restaurants, just even individual restaurants are coming together to help feed people in need and provide meals and staple ingredients or supplies at home um, for those that might not have access or, you know, the GoFundMes or the Kickstarters that were used to help um, restaurant employees that might not have access to unemployment. Um, it was just really beautiful to see the community that I always knew was super supportive when I'm working, you know, a super busy 12 hour shift. And when I think I can't make it and you have people around you that help keep you going. And it's like that extends past the walls of a restaurant or a bar, right? Like we really can be a community and like build each other up. And I, it's been great to see that. And my hope is that that just like continues. Continues. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, that's super important. Um, and I know um, the USBG was also pretty integral yeah, in, in all that great, as well. And so, yeah. Are you involved with the USBG at all? I, I am involved in the USBG. Um, I, so I lived in New York briefly and I, so, for those that you don't, oh, that yeah. don't know, Let's we talk should probably, what that is. We should probably, <laughs> we should probably mention what that acronym stands for. So, um, so it's the United States Bartending Guild, Bartenders Guild. Um, and they have chapters all over the country, mm-hmm. um, with, you know, and it runs like a, a regular chapter. There's a president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, but they have meetings, they host events, they do community service, education, they do education. I was going to say they do trainings, they host competitions. Yeah. Um, you have access to, especially with that education, you have access to, um, classes and seminars, um, you know, and it's been really great. And I think especially, you know, I don't think about it as much in a big city like Chicago, because I'm surrounded by so many amazing mentors just by being in the city that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, as I, as a consultant, have been able to travel to other regions and other cities in, you know, um, smaller parts, like smaller cities in the country that don't have access to them. The USBG has been really foundational in providing them like a lot of exposure and access to those education Um and even like brands and like really fun events and stuff. So that's been, they've been like a really great support for the whole community as well. Yeah, they have. And uh, you just mentioned a word competition. Yes. <laughs> have it's you a com- polarizing word. <laughs> <laughs> but have you participated in any competitions, bartending I, or mixology competitions? I did do a few competitions. Did you? Okay. Um, and I also got to judge a few. Oh, okay. Um, which was way more fun. <laughs> I bet. That's a lot less stress. I bet. Um, I, I think competitions can be really great and really helpful. Um, you know, there is, there's different levels of competition. I actually have, um, one of my best friends, um, I got to work with her when I lived in New York cause she did, um, like the most imaginative bartender competition. Um, there's, you know, a bunch of different really like national and international cocktail competitions and they can be really great learning tools. Sure. I think, um, so yes, I did go, I didn't get heavy into the competition circuit, um, but it's kind well, of, you fun. dipped your toe in. I dipped my toe in and I think it's fun to get feedback from places and people that you might not have access to or have talked to before. Sometimes, you know, these competitions bring in like really well-known and prolific, like bartenders and mixologists sure. from all over the country. And it's like, man, like when would I ever have the chance to present a drink in front of this person? Um, so Which I, is probably yeah. super intimidating. It is intimidating, <laughs> but it's also like so rad, like fangirling, like so exciting. Um, and one of my favorite competitions that I've actually um, been really involved with, it's an all-female bartending like speed competition. Okay. Um, yeah. But through that, it's been really fun. And they are, there's regional competitions and then semifinals and then a national competition. But that is one of my favorite competitions. And it's been really fun to see friends and coworkers. And I've helped some people train for that competition okay. as well. Um, and that's, that's one of my favorite ones to watch because... You know, it's less about like, oh, I did this delicate infusion of this thing. And it's like, oh, no, I'm just going to kick butt on stage yeah. and make 
four really complex cocktails in under a minute and like watch me go. And it's just, it's so fun. That's gotta be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, so how do you continue to stay relevant in an industry that is always shifting and evolving? I mean, it's tough. I think the biggest thing you can do is really invest in yourself and like in your own education, right? Because like staying relevant is kind of like staying informed Mm -hmm. and education is really important, not just behind the bar when you have new spirits and like new things to talk about, but also like the different techniques that are being used or maybe the ingredients. So um, one of the easiest things that I like to do is like to go to bars that you wouldn't normally visit or neighborhoods that you normally wouldn't drink in and like try out different styles and cuisines or cultures, like really try to expose yourself to stuff that you wouldn't normally, cause you can learn everywhere, like from a dive bar to a super crafty sure. cocktail bar. Um, so I've, I've really been enjoying that and like going to different parts of the city, even just in Chicago, like it doesn't have to be, you know, traveling to other countries is amazing, but like you could do that in your neighborhood. Like you can expose yourself oh, to absolutely. other things, especially, you know? so, especially in Chicago, especially in Chicago. <laughs> but Piggy, if you could travel to another city, let's, let's keep it in the U S right. Oh, in the U S what's, what would be your, I have, your favorite. Is this a city that I've been to or like where I want to go learn? Let's go both. We okay. Time. I have a really weird favorite city in the country. I think. Oh, is boy. it weird? My favorite city in the U S is Pittsburgh. <laughs> Really? For, for cocktails and mixology? For everything. I love, I just love being in Pittsburgh. So here's the deal. I did this campaign and there was a chef, a a chef, a bartender and a music producer. And I don't know what like mixology gods decided to tap me. Somehow they got my name and they like sought me out. They're like, we heard your name. We'd like you to like audition to be this bartender. And I got chosen and I traveled to like international countries with a team of producers um, a chef and a music producer. We got to like go into cities and drink and hang out and just be interviewed about it. Wow, they were okay. so welcoming and so wonderful. The beverage industry there was so great, but also it was just like the sports and the energy and like, I love Pittsburgh. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I didn't see that coming. I'll be honest with you. I don't think any people do, that but coming. it's, I mean, honestly, it's one of my favorite cities just to like hang out in. I have like, I have a blast every time I go. Okay. Um, and I, I think that they're, they have some really amazing bartenders who are doing some really great stuff. Um, so that would be like my just go to, to like hang out in, I think city. And I have not, I've never been to Boston. So that would be my. See Boston, Boston's my favorite. Oh, see, we have to go. Yes, we, <laughs> we can go. I'm sure we can find a reason. Um, and if you make it without me, I'll send you some tips. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so Boston's probably one of my favorites. Um, but if I had to go anywhere yeah. that I've, well, I've never been to Portland. Oh, Portland's great. I want to go to Portland. Yeah, it's a good time. I hear Portland's they have a, a great, great time. <laughs> a great scene. So that's, that's where I want to get to. I had a really good time in Portland. But yeah, I think traveling in your neighborhood or, you know, into other cities or internationally is really important. But even like, let's say that's not an option. Let's say you're at home. Like there's so many uh, resources either online or via books that you can read and do to like stay relevant. I think, um, you know, if you haven't tried out, like there's a website called The Blend. Yes. Um, it's a really great, um, I think, resource for bartenders like just starting out and that have been around. They cover almost any topic you could think of from they like do. bartending equipment to drink styles to bartenders in other cities. It's like the exposure you kind of didn't know that you needed to other cities and other styles and drinks. So that's really great. But um, in books too, like uh, The Death & Co, um, there's a mm-hmm. series of books that they have that yeah. I are my favorite. I use them training new bartenders. I research, I like reference them myself. 
Um, and I recently finished a book called Tiki and it's by this woman, Shannon Mustafer, who lives in New York. And um, it was just like a resource of so many cool flavors and like really, so I think just like find something you're into and like read about it or go online and like check yeah. it out. And you can, you know, that's how I stay relevant. It's just like, I'm constantly hungry for like more information. Okay. Okay. So you've, you've given a lot of different books yes. and, and places that people can get inspiration from. Yeah. Where else can they get inspiration from? I get, where do you get your inspiration? Okay. From? So this might sound a little weird, but I get most of my inspiration from desserts. Desserts. Hear me out. Okay. Pastry, pastry chefs and cooking desserts in general, baking is really similar to me as like in, in the vein of cocktails. Everything has to be kind of measured. Mm-hmm. It's not like cooking where it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Let's see what happens. It's like cocktails. You're like, you know, measure it out. That's this much base spirit, this much citrus. It has to be balanced. Um, but pastry chefs use flavors in a way that I've like never seen. And all of my favorite aha moments in flavor combinations have occurred through desserts, like strawberries and black pepper. Who knew? But I had like a strawberry shortcake and had this like black pepper moment. And then I had something that was like lavender and raspberry. Like okay. I would have never put raspberry with lavender, but like, here we are. Right. Um, rosemary and chocolate. And so like every time I eat a really thought out creative dessert, I'm always like, oh, this could be a cocktail. <laughs> like this could be a bourbon drink or this. So sure. like, I get so many. And even to that point, like reading cookbooks, like pastry focused cookbooks, like they put flavors together in ways that I think is so interesting. Um, and so I also use that as an excuse to always order dessert when I'm out. I'm like, I have my partner, Matt, and I'll be like, we have to get dessert. It's for research. (laughs) (laughs) So do you dabble in the kitchen then with baking or? I love to bake. I would not call myself good at it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but you can do it. No, absolutely. I mean, I think in that way too, like if you can bartend, you can follow a recipe. Sure. Right. So if it's a recipe that's written in a way that I can follow it, um, thank goodness for Google because like some of them like look up terms. Like I'm like, what does that mean? So I, if it's written in a way that I can understand, I don't know how my mom would like cook Thanksgiving dinner without YouTube or Google. Like they just looked at right. a page and just knew how to do things. But that aside, I, yes, I do dabble at home. I can follow almost any recipe. I just don't know if it's going to be as pretty. Like there's TV shows about that, like fails, like right. epic yes. Instagram or like Pinterest fails. Pinterest fails. Sometimes that's my kitchen, but that's okay. It's just like, you should have to try again. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, so let's get into some final thoughts here. Yes. So advice, right? Mm-hmm. So for anybody wishing to get into the industry, yeah. what's a tip you have for them? Um, I guess my big tip is like, start at the beginning and don't rush it. I think so many people see these bartenders on Instagram or they like want, they want to be the bar manager right away. And it's like, enjoy the ride and get the basics so that you can be the best when you get there. Um, so, you know, start as a server or a bar back, really get to know the job and like the culture of that bar or restaurant so that you can really um, adapt and acclimate to mm-hmm. what they're doing. And then from there, you can kind of like take a different path or like the next place that you go, you'll bring what you learned, but like, don't rush it. Like take your time, learn the basics, learn the industry. And like from there, you know, like the world is yours. Perfect. No, makes sense. So what's your favorite cocktail to make? And and, and then what's your favorite to drink? Um, <laughs> my favorite cocktail to make 
is probably a classic daiquiri. Those are my favorite. Are they? Yeah. Uh, I knew we were, I knew we were connected. Um, I just, it's so interesting how three ingredients, right? So you have like rum, a sweetener and a citrus, usually lime juice can create so many different varieties based on what rum you use or what type of sweetener you use or like the proportions. So um, I think you can tell that about a bar and a bartender like by ordering that cocktail. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, it's such an easy drink to make yet. It tastes so different from bar to yes, bar. To totally. Bar. Um, it's insane. So it's one of my favorites to make. Cause it's like one that I can kind of put my stamp on like, Oh, this is the rum I like to use. This is the, you know, what rum do you like to use? You know, I really love, um, so Crucian, um, single barrel is one of my favorites for a base, okay. but I like to throw in a little bit of a funky rum. Oh. I do what we call a split base, which is where you take your base spirit and split it in half. And I like to add just a little bit of like a Jamaican rum oh, okay. in, in there with it for like a little bit of funk. So I like an unaged rum as my base, but then I like to throw in, you know, something a little surprising, like a little wow moment. Okay. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and then my favorite to drink, I have moods when it comes to my favorite drink, um, you know, we were talking about drinking old fashions earlier and I mm-hmm. think that's become, and I know it sounds played out now, but I promise I liked it before it was cool. <laughs> um, I love an old fashioned, just a really well done old fashioned, but my like guilty pleasure favorite drink is like a frozen margarita. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Or like a swirl. Like there's a, co- <laughs> there's a restaurant in Chicago that has like a sangria margarita swirl. Okay. It's my favorite. I know, I know what restaurant you're <laughs> you talking, about. talking about. I know what you're talking about. So, um, when people ask me this question, yeah. and I literally thought this is where you were going to go with that, okay. is I was like, my favorite drink. That's like asking me which one of my kids are my favorite. Right, like, right? It's- like <laughs> I, I can't answer that. And I don't even have kids. But if I did. <laughs> <laughs> it also depends on the, the day and the mood, right? right? Like, Is it hot out? What kind I of totally mood am I it. in? Yeah. No, I totally get it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> all right. So. Uh, where, where can mixology go wrong and and what can someone do to avoid that? What are some of the common mishaps or mistakes? I think the biggest mistake in this idea of like mixology, right. And I'm going to say that in air quotes, like this mixology idea is when people forget the hospitality of it all, right? So people come to your bar for an experience and yes, that perfect garnish or that smoke bubble or that like perfect ice is part of the experience. But it's such a small part, I think. And we could thank Instagram for that, I feel I like. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> and like it matters, but people are there for the humanity. People are there for that exchange, for that generosity and that welcoming. And you no know, matter how beautiful your cocktail is, if people don't have a good time, if people don't enjoy being around you and like vibing with with what you're putting out, they're not gonna come back. Right. So I think forgetting that component, that puzzle piece of mixology. Um, is where a lot of of places or people go wrong. And I've loved seeing, we kind of went through that era of like the too good for you bartender. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like, they would kind of talk down to you or like shun you for your drink choice. I've been at bars where people have done that. And like, look, I just want my frozen margarita. Leave me alone. (laughs) Um, I I loved seeing um, that kind of come full circle. That's something else that I've really enjoyed seeing in hospitality in the last few years is that I think we're maintaining our integrity behind the bar as far as ingredients and technique. Um, but we're also remembering that the guests are really important and that that hospitality experience is, is a part of it. Mm-hmm. And seeing those two melt together um, is what I think is the future of, of mixology and really helping that push forward. I love that. I love that. Thanks. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. And then I've got one more question for okay. you. So what is something you wish people understood about your craft mixology that, that they don't. 
Okay. Wow. That's a great, that's a good question. I like to go out with a bang. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take this from two sides. Okay. So I think what I think some bartenders don't understand about mixology is that like kind of what we talked about before, it doesn't have to be pretentious. Um, Mixology can be about like education and learning, but education, not just in yourself, but like in other people without being condescending, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Extending that, that generosity, like we talked about. So I wish I want bartenders to really know that like that about mixology, it's not a better than you thing. It's like a, we're all in this together. Let's like learn and be better together thing. And I think for guests, what I I would love for them to know, I think even my, my parents are included in this is like mixology is not just drinking every day or like, you know, coming up with cool stuff. It's, it's a skill and there's a lot of science and there's more science than I ever thought I would ever, my physics teacher would be so excited (laughs) to know that I'm actually capable of doing this. Um, But there's a lot of science and care that goes into it and that, you know, that creativity is, is important, but there is a lot of skill that, that we learn and we spend time and money to really hone in on. Um, And that when we give you this cocktail, like there's so much of that skill is that's how we show love is by, by taking the time to learn that stuff, to give it to you. So I hope that people like know that and that we're here to like really create that, that perfect moment and that memorable experience through the amount of technique and time that we put in these cocktails. Amy, I love that. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) This has been one of the most amazing conversations. I, like I said, we've worked together now for over three years, yeah. almost, almost four, I it think. Right? Yeah. Four, yeah. Um, and, and I've learned so much about you today. I have a newfound <laughs> appreciation and respect for you. Well, that's what I um, thank you. This has been so fun. I mean, I couldn't have asked for like a more genuine and like really fantastic time. I was a little nervous going into this, but thank you. This was amazing. This was, this was great. And I, I don't think I've laughed this much. <laughs> So this was a nice break for me. So thank you. Um, And uh, with that, let's, let's toast. Let's toast. So delicious. So let's toast our so so delicious. Um, Let's, let's toast to you. Oh, that's so sweet. In your new role. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm super proud of you. I am super happy to be working with you um, even closer now um, in my role. So with that, um, Thank you for all of your help and your support. You really um, were such an inspiration in getting this job. So cheers to you as well. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Amy. Of course. With that, we'll drink our so delicious responsibly. Um, And thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Top Shelf Integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri, Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly.